those who are suggesting that it should be banned, uh, they just need to give it a read uh, to understand the power of To Kill a Mockingbird. Now, people are not happy on either side of this next issue. You just heard the Premier's thoughts on that. The Surrey School Board is no longer recommending four classic books as part of its reading list. Now, if you like these books, then you can't believe that they're pulling them from the list. If you think it's time to revisit this book list, well, then you believe this is about updating for more accurate representations of racism and history. And I have been hearing from people on both sides of that this morning. So my feeling is this is history, right? These books have important historical perspective. Ironically, I read three of these in the Surrey school system growing up there. And there are excellent and important discussions that you can have with these books, not only about the time they represent, but the time in which they were written. And I agree with the Premier when he says To Kill a Mockingbird in particular is an excellent book and that maybe we should worry more about what the kids are reading online rather than the books. But we thought, let's let's put this in a little more perspective this morning. So joining us now is Florian Gastner, an Associate Professor of Teaching at the University of British Columbia. Florian, thank you for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Is this a process that happens occasionally where books are updated and some books just don't make that list? It's a process that fortunately happens all the time, that we keep asking these questions of the books, not just whether they're good books or bad books, but more importantly, we are using these books not just to teach these children appreciation of literature, but to teach other messages. And the question always is not, is To Kill a Mockingbird a great book or not? But in the three, four generations that have passed in the meantime, have maybe other books been written that are more apt to teaching the lessons we want to teach the young people? So then why do you think this becomes so sensitive? A lot of it, I think, has to do with a spillover from the United States where these books are not just reconsidered, they are challenged and you arrive at absurd situations where books like The Diary of Anne Frank are removed, not just from curricula, but from bookshelves because Anne Frank discusses intimate parts of the female body. And on the other hand, it's just that like you, my, our generation, David Eby, we still remember when we were in school and reading these books and we learned important lessons from them. They had a massive impact on ourselves. And so uh, we cherish that memory of learning these lessons, of feeling enlightened after encountering these. But then, of course, you need to have the professionals come in and say, well, um, could we also procure resources that are more attuned to today's society so the students learn those lessons relevant for their contexts? Okay, so what do you think of this decision then? Um, I think in this case, especially considering what's happening south of the border, I appreciate the measured approach that they took here, that they apparently had a year-long consultation with different stakeholders, and that the question... <clears throat> apologies, that the question really was, what could the best teaching resources be to impart lessons about racism, about marginalization, about discrimination on the students in our classrooms right now? Okay, so you feel like as lo- the books that they will replace this with, I'm sure, are good. They're excellent books. I know one of them is a Toni Morrison book. One of them is a Colson Whitehead book. Those are all great books. But it's also about making sure these books remain available to students, Right. 
Yeah, and that's the other thing where what's happening here is very different from what's happening in the United States because there, uh, the book challenges typically address the availability of the book. So they are removed from school libraries. They're removed from public libraries, which is uh, inconceivable because these are not private libraries, but public institutions where people should be able to go and inform themselves to participate in the democratic process. And in this case, in the Surrey School District had made it very clear from the beginning, these books will remain on the shelves. They are there for when teachers make a good argument that they would rather teach with To Kill a Mockingbird, they can retrieve it from those shelves. But at the same time, they're just looking at the curriculum and where they could possibly add value. I guess also what I wonder, Florian, is this not also an opportunity for a teacher to, to say, teach To Kill a Mockingbird and talk about this wider discussion like you and I are having right now? This is what's happening in society just because we are teaching and reading To Kill a Mockingbird. That is an absolutely valid point, and I'm pretty sure that for the past 10, 20 years, teachers have been having that conversation because uh, one of the big issues is how the use of the N-word and the depiction, the one-dimensional depiction of uh, black citizens in the United States uh, could be possibly re-traumatizing for students reading those books. And so teachers had to have that conversation. But then the question is... Uh, could you not just add a, a different angle to the conversation right. without running that risk of re-traumatizing young people? This is what I wonder. So not dragging this and not making this a bigger deal and not turning it into a huge controversy is saying we're going to change the discussion around this. And yet that doesn't seem to be the approach anybody takes. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, again, they've been doing that for 20 years, but uh, you're also framing the discussion about a book that's, what is it, 80 years old about something that happened 100 years ago. So the question is whether this discussion just gets you stuck in the past also when uh, the image of racism and marginalized communities has changed quite a bit and whether you need to make more space to also have that conversation then. Okay, so then Florian, I know that people are going to get worked up about this, right? Because we read the headlines, we read the first couple of lines and people don't look deeper. What do you think people need to keep in mind with this story? The thing to keep in mind is you want to look at how the process unfolds. And that's the one thing I, as a, I'm not a Canadian myself, so I'm not attuned to the process, but from the outside, it seems that the Surrey district here made an effort to design a process that works, that is equitable, that takes in the voices of different stakeholders. And if they pass that bar, if it seems measured, if it seems well thought out, then you can rest uh, calmly knowing that they have the best interest of the community in mind. But at this point, I'm not knowledgeable about it. I'm not sure if there is a province-wide or even Canada-wide uh, system in place to facilitate these discussions. So you always want to look at how these decisions are reached and whether indeed they consulted stakeholders that are have something uh, to lose or to say in this environment. That's a good question to ask. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Florian. Well, thank you too. Have a good day. You too. That's Florian Gastner, an associate professor of teaching at the University of British Columbia, talking about the process by which you know, books are updated on a recommended reading list, which is what the Surrey School District says is actually happening here, that these books will be available, the district says, 
in the library, but it won't be necessarily recommended for teaching in class. Teacher can actually make the argument to use it. But again, it kind of just opens up. I think people of our age, my age, we get uncomfortable with it because we think, well, wait a minute, it was it was good enough for us. And I learned valuable lessons reading that book. Why are we not passing on those same valuable lessons? But it's about can we pass those valuable lessons on in a better way? And I don't know. We don't know because we're not being taught by these new measures. And I just, for me, I did, I did love those books and I did learn them in the Surrey school system. And, and they were really valuable lessons. If you want to weigh in, simi at cknw.com. I know there's going to be more discussion about this for sure. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.